Welcome to the Build with Brabeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more. Here's your host, Amanda Brabeck. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Build with Brayback podcast. Happy Thursday. All right. Today's episode is going to go a lot of different places. Okay. Let me just lead with that up top. I'll also give you a trigger warning up top um, towards the latter part of the episode, and I'll kind of give you another one before I'm about to get into it. I'm going to talk a little bit about my own body image journey, um, my journey with like body dysmorphia and, um, why I started my body image coaching program, but I'll give you a warning before I jump into that in case you're not really in the headspace to hear about that kind of stuff today. And that's totally fine. Um, but if you want to stick around for some of the other stuff, obviously I'd love to have you. So first things first, um, we got to do the highs and lows. So my high, I think, would definitely be that I announced finally that Mark and I got legally married a few weeks back. Um, I'll get into like the whole story of like why and everything um, right after this. But it's been the hardest secret to keep because I'm the worst secret keeper. And it's such happy, exciting news. And it was hard enough like not even being able to celebrate with everybody, let alone keep it a full-blown secret. Um, yeah, but we announced yesterday because we finally like told a bunch of family that, you know, we wanted to tell before posting it on social media and like friends and stuff. So just the, you know, loving messages and all of that have just like warmed my heart and I can't stop looking at the pictures and watching the video that the photographer put together. And if you want more like wedding content, I'm going to share it more so on my TikTok just because I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I just have been feeling less and less excited about posting on Instagram. Like I just feel like Instagram is such a curated, everything has to be kind of perfect sort of platform. And TikTok just, it feels like it, it allows for more creativity and openness and authenticity. And you can just kind of like be your true self and nothing has to be perfectly aesthetic. Obviously there are the accounts that are like super aesthetic, but I honestly find those ones like they're nice at first and they're just kind of like boring, to be honest. It's like the same shit every day. And I feel the same way about like those super aesthetic like Instagram reels. I'm really just going to throw some shade right now. Um, I think that there can be a level of creativity to them. But there's also a huge bit of like copying, I would say. Like, you know, one person makes these really beautiful aesthetic like morning routine or day in the life kind of videos and they're fun to watch and might give you a little inspiration, I don't know, to like create good habits or something. But then other people watch those and see it as like a way of getting it's like social media fame and just create like carbon copies of what they've already seen. And, like, I follow a few people that I've honestly, like, recently unfollowed just because they post the same exact shit every single day. Get ready with me. Here's my morning routine. And everything is, like, so perfectly aesthetic and honestly lacks personality. And I sound like such a bitch, but that is truly how I feel because I feel like that stuff kind of just, like, perpetuates the highlight reel, the like perfection, and it's all a facade. Like we know this, right? If you really think about um, what goes into making those types of videos, like honestly maybe try to make one of those videos and try to make them to the caliber that those people do because honestly most of the ones I see are gorgeous. Like 
very beautifully done. Um, but it takes a lot of things, right? Especially, okay, like my Boston, the Boston accounts that I follow, they have to live in a gorgeous, uh, like minimal apartment. Most of them are living in these high rises in the seaport, which are wildly expensive. Um, and like, no shade to having money. That's not a bad thing. It doesn't make you a bad person at all. Um, but I think it, it kind of gatekeeps it a little bit, right? Like me, I can't afford one of those. I mean, I guess if Mark and I really wanted to, we probably could swing it, but we would have to cut back on a bunch of other stuff. We would have to cut way down on space. Like I try to make videos like that and it's like, LOL, they look horrible because we live in like an old apartment in Southie that has character and I love it. It's so spacious for the city. And, but like those videos look really crappy in this place. And it also requires such interruption in your day. So, you know, they're posting like my morning routine, but really what they're not showing is the setting everything up which takes a few minutes, finding the perfect lighting, the perfect filter or like effect or whatever, taking the video, probably taking a few, going through editing everything. It's not like it is made to look like this quick, easy thing that they throw together during their morning routine while they're being so productive when it's like half the time. I think that they're not even doing half of those activities that they're showing. They're really just like filming it for show. And it is, like I said, it can be like a creative outlet and show some like artistry and stuff. But a lot of times it just is like copying and spreading more unrealistic expectations. How did I get here? <laughs> Where did that tangent come from? LOL. Um, oh, yeah, because I just feel like TikTok's more fun and free and there can be beautiful creativity and silly creativity and it allows people to like tap into parts of themselves that maybe they've been afraid to show on other platforms. So I feel like I'm just naturally leaning towards TikTok a bit more. Um, but so if you don't follow me already on TikTok, follow me on TikTok. I need to open it up to remind myself of what my username is because I can never remember if I use my name or built with Brayback. Let's see. Build with Brayback. Okay. No Build with Brayback podcast, just Build with Brayback. Give me a little follow and we'll have some fun on there. I do talk about podcast things on there too. Okay. Um, anyway, my low. Well, okay. We have a few highs because the wedding thing was the best um, and so happy and so fresh. Um, but also, I um went to my sister's birthday party over the weekend. She rented out an entire roller skating rink, which was incredible. Incredible. She made it kind of like a decades theme so people could kind of choose if they wanted it to be like 70s roller disco if they wanted to be in 90s if they wanted to do like the y2k like middle school roller skating party and that's what I went with because that is my natural habitat and luckily all that style has fully come back which is a humbling experience because it means that we're getting older however I feel like if you can just get past that and like not let that get to you it's so much fun because to come up with my outfit, literally all I had to do was walk into Target. I got a cute little dress. I got a bright pink backpack to go with the dress. I got butterfly clips. Target sells butterfly clips. Yes. And like cute little um, like smiley face earrings. And it was just the best time. So much fun. Um, and then – my low in relation to that is one that I have not picked up the skills to become a like TikTok roller skate, like roller skating influencer. 
because they are the funnest people to watch and I want to be them after doing a few laps in that rink. Um, and I was so proud of myself because I did not fall at all while skating out on the rink. However, the one time I did fall, I went to the bathroom and I was too lazy to take my roller skates off. So I rolled them over to the bathroom and I fully, fully face planted hands and knees on the bathroom floor, face almost on the toilet because I fell in the stall. I fully fell in the stall. So RIP to my knees, to my dignity. It was, it was humbling also. Um, Okay, let's get into the wedding stuff because if I don't actually get on track here, we're never going to get through this episode. Um, Okay, so when we told Mark's family, we told them on Easter um, that we were married, everyone's eyes immediately, immediately just went down to my stomach and I saw it happen and I was just like, no, I'm not pregnant. I swear. And I was going to make that disclaimer on Instagram and stuff too, but I'm like, you know what? Let them wonder, let them talk. Um, no, I'm not pregnant. It was not like a shotgun wedding in that sense. Um, so basically we got married early on because I work for myself and I needed to be put on his benefits. And I mean, they did not ask for a marriage license when he signed me up for them. So it looks like we probably could have gotten away with it without it, but I'm so glad that we did. Um, so basically like two weeks before Mark proposed, I was on Mass Health Connector looking at all the different plans and like what I qualified for. And I didn't really qualify for any of the um, like cost assistance on Mass Health Connector. So I was paying fully out of pocket for health insurance and I was like really stressing out and just like getting overwhelmed looking at it all. And Mark was sitting there like with the ring just downstairs being like, do I break the surprise? Do I tell her? Do I just let her worry? And he was like, I can't ruin the surprise. We're just going to let her worry. So I'm over there freaking out. He is like also freaking out on the inside, like feeling so bad. And so actually the night of the wedding or night of the wedding, the night of the engagement, um, he was so sweet and brought that up and was just like, I know you felt like impatient waiting for this proposal, but I wanted to wait until I was 100% ready and, you know, 100% just there and all the ducks are in the row and all of that. And he was like, I'm not doing this and feeling like I need a year, a year and a half until I'm ready to get married. I'm doing this because I'm ready to commit right now. Um, he was like, he mentioned the whole thing about that night. Um, when I was looking for health insurance and he was like, if it would make sense for you and for us, we can get married whenever and then have our actual wedding later. Like I didn't do this cause it's the next step. I did it cause I want it. I'm fully ready, which I just thought was really, really sweet. And if you know, Mark, you know that he is not a words guy. He does not wear his heart on a sleeve. Um, sometimes you have to pull it out of him. So for him to just say all of that meant a lot to me. And it really did put things into perspective. Like me and one of my other friends, both, I think honestly, most girls, unless guys do it like super early on, will feel a bit antsy waiting for their proposal. And we both have very logical partners and everything. And one time we were talking about it and just reflecting and being like, it's really not that hard to get engaged. And I don't mean that in like a bitchy way, but people do it all the time, right? And I see, I see these guys doing it and like girls encouraging it because, or whoever, I'm just talking about like straight relationships because that's like what I'm in. But 
regardless of the situation. Um, I think that a lot of people do it and put pressure on it because it's the next thing and it's a new thing to be excited about to like bring excitement into their relationship and like mask issues or not even because their heart's all the way in it, but because they're feeling pressured either by their partner or by family or society or whatever. Um, and it just means so much less than knowing that that person is so committed and excited and ready. Um, and really that's like all I wanted to ever hear from him, you know? So that was so cute and so happy. So we knew that we were going to do it eventually. Um, I mean, obviously there wasn't really a reason to wait a long time if we were going to do it because I was wasting like $500 a month on health insurance. Actually, I'm going to write it in my to-do list right now um, to cancel my health insurance. I'm physically writing it down because I keep forgetting. Okay. I could really use that $500. Um, so we were like, okay, over the next few months, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. We'll just go to city hall. We won't tell anyone. Um, and I wanted to at least tell my parents and be able to have my parents there, have both of our parents there because my parents actually did the same thing a little bit crazier because they are insane, but they're still together 30 years later. So, I mean, over 30 years, I think. Um, so clearly something worked out, but when, uh, they knew each other for six months and my dad was in the Navy, they were 20 years old and, um, you know, kind of did the same thing. Like, you know, I don't have benefits and the military, will, you know, pay us to live together or give us like a greater housing stipend. Like they just give you greater benefits when you're married. So, which I feel like is a whole other conversation. It kind of feels uh, antiquated a bit, uh, but that was a long time ago too. So, um, but also that stuff is still real today. Like the fact I couldn't get on Mark's health insurance, even though we have lived together for almost two years. We've been together for over three years. Like you had to live together for 10 years, like have a, uh, like official domestic partnership kind of situation happening or be fully married. So like that feels a little crazy. But anyways, um, so but when they did it, they kept it a complete secret. They only had like their best friend be their witness. And then they had a big wedding like six months later. And she told her parents – um, shortly after that, like, oh, we actually have been married for six months. My dad didn't tell his parents for seven years because he was a giant baby. Like how hilarious, especially knowing him. He's like military man, tough guy. So funny that he was that afraid. Um, and my mom always, always, always was like, I don't care if you elope, just please invite me. And she said that for so many years, like jokingly, but I know that she's actually serious and I can't, I just couldn't imagine not having our parents there. I love Mark's parents. I have such a great relationship with them. Like genuinely love spending time with them and my parents too. And I couldn't imagine our day without them. So as we start looking into it, we do the application for the marriage license, not really realizing that you had to use it within 60 days. Um or else it wouldn't be valid anymore. So we get that and we realize, okay, we have two months to do this. So we start looking at dates. We start talking to our families and we realize that um, my dad, he works at a nuclear power plant. And so like once or twice a year, they have this thing called an outage. I don't really know exactly what they're doing. He's tried to explain it a lot of times. It's a different world to me. But basically he was working every single day for the month, like starting in the month of April, like really zero breaks. Um, and you know, he said, I will figure out a way to make it work. But if you could do it before that, obviously that would just like be much better. And also he wouldn't have been in the headspace for like celebrating and it and, or anything. And I totally get that. Like he's working nights a lot. It's a, it's a lot. And my little sister was moving to South Carolina to do travel nursing for a few months. And 
she wasn't sure of the exact date that they were moving. So we look and we're like, we have one weekend that we can do this. Saturday the 26th, because we had looked at City Hall and they only did um they only did like actual city hall weddings on like Mondays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Like so freaking lame. So we were like, all right, we are going to do it in the spot where you proposed on Com Ave in the little park in the middle between Dartmouth and Exeter to get really into the nitty gritty. Um, and it was literally the day my little sister was moving. So she was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, Maybe we can, like, leave a day later or something. And, like, they ended up literally packing the entire car, coming, watching the ceremony, like, so dressed up, and then leaving right after driving straight to South Carolina, which I just loved. Like, love that, like, the commitment to it. And it would have been so weird not having her there. So, like, I really appreciated that. And it just was so funny. Um, So we kind of just really quickly started planning and we decided at first like we were just going to keep it so so low-key but I decided you know even though it's not our big wedding it's still the day that it's official it's still such a special day honestly probably the most special day and I wanted it to feel like that so and Mark was totally on board with whatever I wanted honestly and so I kind of just wanted to put together just some small things to make it special without going over the top or spending too much. So I kind of looked a lot at online for like a dress or a jumpsuit or something and didn't really find anything. I like was getting overwhelmed with like trying to get it so fast. So I ended up just ordering a white dress from Shop La Bay because I had a light blue version of it and I loved it. I wore it to a wedding last year and um just felt like it was like classic, simple, easy. And the like two weeks before I want to say, or one week. Yeah. Honestly, I think it was one week before I'm like sitting at brunch with my best friend and a couple other people. And, um, I'm like a few mimosas in feeling a little drunk. We're at Lincoln. I'm eating like probably, I don't even know, like a breakfast pizza, pancakes, all the things. And my little sister's FaceTiming me and she's at Zara she's shopping. And she's like, you need this dress. And it's the dress I ended up wearing. I was like, please buy it for me. I will Venmo you. She like tries it on because we are pretty similar body types. She's a little bit taller. She has bigger boobs than me, but similar. So she tries it on, sends me a picture. I'm like, yep, that's the one. I bought some shoes off DSW along with a like white little purse. Um, the shoes had like little pearls on the strap, just like a chunky heel or white. And then I got, um, like pearl hair clips from Amazon. Um, what else did I buy? Oh, I bought a fake bouquet, which turned out gorgeous. I honestly might use it next year for the actual wedding because I feel like that would be a nice ode to our, you know, smaller ceremony and like a way to save some money since we're trying to buy a house at the same time as we're planning a wedding. LOL. Who do we think we are? Um, from Etsy. And I love the way it came out. So if you have questions about that, like they have some really, really cool ones. They also have like really pretty like dried flowers and like grass ones, which I looked at, but more of like a boho vibe than what I was going for that day. Um, I ended up buying like this little teeny tiny veil from Amazon also, which I ended up loving. Um, I asked my best friend from college to be the officiant and um, so we got her a one day like efficient license online. Super easy. They don't need much information. It's like 20 bucks. And then we invited Mark's best friend from home, like from growing up and her husband. So those were the only friends we were going to have there. Cause once you open it up, it's like, you have to invite everyone, you know? So you're like, we'll just keep it super, super small. Um, so I made, me and my friend Cassie, who was marrying us, I made a dry bar appointments for that morning. I ended up hiring the photographer that does all of the um, content for the handlebar. 
because I know her. I trust her. I looked at some of her other pictures and I was like, you know what? I don't really feel like committing to like meeting someone new and like doing that whole thing. Like I know she'll do a good job, the right price point. Let's do it. Um, I'll feel comfortable with her. So I had her do that. I got, I sent out 1 million makeup artist requests because we were like, oh, we'll just use these pictures as our save the date. So I'm going to go all out hair and makeup. Um, couldn't find one. And then eventually one of my friend's wedding makeup artists, her, like the person she used as her like second artist that day was available. So that morning, we'll just fast forward a bit. That morning, Mark and I both wrote each other like a nice card um, and gave it to each other. And it was so sweet. He wrote down everything that he said when he proposed and then like a bunch of other fresh things because I jokingly was like, I don't remember anything that you said when you proposed. Literally, I remember the first four words and then I blacked out and like, that's not fair. And he, again, like does not wear his heart on his sleeve and is very like coy and is like, but I said it like, you don't need to like see it again, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I do. I need to see it. And he had it written out because he had like been practicing. Oh, the cutest man. And so we exchanged cards. Um, and I had to teach at the handlebar that morning because it was too last minute to get a sub. And I kind of also felt like it would be nice to like work out that morning and kind of like shake out the adrenaline a little bit. And I'm the worst secret keeper. I was so freaking excited that I like announced it in the middle of class. And a couple of my friends were in class and they were like, what do you mean? And it's funny because the same friend that was there, one of them, also happened to be in class this Saturday after I got engaged and I announced it there too. Um, and everyone was just like, so sweet. Like, Oh my God, have the best day ever. Blah, blah, blah. It was so hysterical. Cause I was just like, I was going to keep this a secret for a year and a half. It's the day of, and I'm already freaking telling people I can't, I can't with myself. Um, and then I went home really quickly, took a body shower. I like barely had any time. Cassie picked me up. We went to the back bay, went to dry bar. I got my hair blown out. My hairdresser was freaking hysterical. She was like uh, East Boston native and it was so apparent to like she was just going off with her like thick thick accent about all the like family drama in her life and girlfriend drama and like all this crazy stuff and I'm just like okay I'm getting married today like can we maybe like pick up the vibes what is happening um and then Cassie and I went back home. The makeup artist showed up. She did my makeup. We had some mimosas. And we were just like at the apartment chilling. Mark was getting ready because like we didn't need to do the whole like getting ready in different spots. It wasn't that kind of day. And it was going to rain. So or like potentially rain. So we decided not to bring Poe because we just felt like it would be just too much to grapple with. <laughs> um, he's a lot. I love him so much, but he's a lot. Um, so then I got dressed and we went, Mark bought us some lunch, but it, it was like too crazy. And I had already like finished my makeup. So I couldn't really like eat because of the lipstick lip gloss situation. Um, uh, so we drove down to the back bay. Our family met us there. We were like 20 minutes late, obviously. And we did our little ceremony in the middle of Com Ave, um, in the park, which was super awkward, you know, but at the same time really amazing. Like cars were honking as they went by. People were watching. People were, you know, as we were walking around, like telling us congratulations. And it just was so happy. And so we did the ceremony. It was like so short and sweet. We took some family pictures. The family went to the restaurant and had some drinks. And we, for like 30 minutes, probably took a bunch of pictures just with a photographer. Um, if you want to follow her, Aesthetics, Aesthetic by Emma, I think is her handle. She is amazing. I am obsessed with what she did. Um, so we got like my dream city photos, very Pinterest worthy. And um, 
we tried the only thing we tried to go in the Boston Public Library because I really wanted a picture in the room, you know, with the tall ceilings and the green little uh, lights on the tables and stuff. But we got kicked out by security because apparently you have to have a permit to do that. And we did not know about that. So that was like the literal only thing. Um, and then we went to the restaurant. We went to Rochambeau, which is right next to the Prue. It's a French restaurant. We went there on our one year anniversary randomly, but then we ended up going the night of our engagement and it kind of felt like, all right, this is now a special place to us. Um, so we went there for dinner. We showed up and grabbed a drink with everyone cause we were a little bit early. Um, and then they brought us upstairs. We didn't really do like a fully private space, but we were upstairs and had like a really long table and it was mostly private like till the end because it was an earlier dinner that we had. Um, and everyone was so sweet. They all like gave us beautiful cards and my mom and Mark's mom coordinated on getting us these like custom champagne flutes, just a set of two that had like really pretty like heart details on them and said our names and had the date because both of our moms were very much like, this is your date though. Like this is your day, even though it's not a big wedding day. Like this is the start of the realness and it's so special and they really wanted to make it special for us. And I so appreciate them for encouraging us to do that and like making us feel so special. Um, so we had dinner and just kind of hung out there for a while for hours, honestly. Um, my mom bought a cake, which was so nice because she wanted us to be able to have a piece of our cake on our wedding anniversary and follow that tradition, which was so sweet because neither one of us were like thinking about all that stuff. Um, and then afterwards, my parents live like two and a half hours away. So they drove home and, um, we ended up going down the street and just getting drinks at, uh, at Dylan's actually, um, on Boylston, which is just so funny. Cause like we were so dressed up, um, and a couple of friends came and met us out for some drinks and we just like celebrated till like midnight and it was the best day ever. And I can't believe that it's over, but honestly, I highly recommend, like, I'm really excited for our bigger wedding so we can celebrate with everyone and like have those memories and everything. And it was kind of hard to tell some people because, you know, and everyone was so supportive and so great, but I just, I couldn't help feeling bad that not all of our people were there because it's not that we didn't want them there. It was just that we kind of had to keep it so small because once you start to open it up, you know, you kind of have to invite so many people that it would have just ended up being like a wedding wedding and like what would be the point of the one next October. And um, yeah, but I just, I feel like it was just so easy to be relaxed and to enjoy the entire day and really enjoy the time with Mark because it was so small. We were able to actually be together the majority of the time and just really soak up some special moments truly with your core people um, without any distractions. So it was really nice. I loved it. I don't think I would do it any differently. Um, I'm glad that we have the wedding next October because I would be clinically depressed if it was over that fast. Um, but I also just feel like, and this is going to sound cheesy and like whatever, but I also can't help but feeling like I manifested this a little bit, like feeling, thinking and looking back on just a few months ago and how much I wanted to be engaged and how much I wanted that commitment and all of that. And it's funny. It's so funny to look back on, you know, I put it on my vision board for the year. I would like write it down when I was like writing down what I wanted to like manifest and everything. And now, you know, two months later, let's say I'm already fully married. Like, it's just so funny. 
how life works out, you know? So with that said, uh, follow my TikTok for more wedding content because I'm going to post a bunch more there. I'll also probably post some like planning things for like our bigger one too. Um, but I do, even though we are like 35 minutes in, I do still want to talk a little bit about body image and my own journey because I just always want to be fully transparent and fully open and I don't want to ever seem like I have it all together and I have it all figured out because truthfully, I do not. But I think it's helpful to hear the experience of like experiences of other people to help you with your own. So I have done kind of a deeper dive on my body image journey um, last year. So you just have to scroll back through the episodes. Um, I can try to find it and maybe put the link in the show notes. But I wanted to get into it in a bit of a different way. Um, and so again, trigger warning, if you're not up for it, maybe goodbye. Thank you for listening thus far. Um, but I just remember feeling like, feeling like I noticed that my body was being watched and it was something to be monitored and something that held a weird value. I noticed that at a really, a pretty young age. Like I remember being in my preteens and people making comments. And I know this, I don't want it to come off as like, people were making comments about how skinny I was. And it was like, so annoying. When I feel like I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the fact that like people that grew up in larger bodies notice that same thing in a much more negative way and probably noticed bias maybe from school, from doctors, um, like in public spaces much younger. And I don't want to take away from that experience because that is so valid and so tough and can be truly traumatic. Um, But there are, I feel like it's a spectrum, I guess, in a way. And there are so many sides and so many stories and they're all valid. They're just different. Um, And I don't want to not acknowledge my like thin privilege because it is so fucking real. And while I dealt with internal things, I did not deal with bias and I did not deal with like oppression or bullying or, you know, mean comments, whatever it is. Like I did not deal with that. I dealt with the internal struggles and that's hard, but it's not the same. So let's start there. But I didn't notice it from a young age, you know, people making comments about saying things like, you're so lucky that you have a flat stomach. You're so lucky that you can eat whatever you want. It must be nice that blah, blah, blah. You know, you're so, I've never had a flat stomach. You're so thin. You're so this. You're so lucky. Making me realize from age like 11, 12. 13, 14, that my body is being watched. My body holds this weird value that I I didn't really realize before. Um, That if I'm so lucky, then I definitely should be scared that it might go away. Um, And I don't, I didn't really realize all these things in the moment. It was all very subconscious as I was dealing with it. I didn't really realize it till much later when I really reflected 
how those things affected me. And I am someone that's great at compartmentalizing as like a protection um, and shutting things off. So that might have been a part of it too. But just knowing that so early on, which made me want to find control within it. Um, but I also had like a really weird relationship with food because people would say stuff like that and I would eat so much and never gain any weight. Like I had a crazy metabolism. I was like 14, 15, you know, but people would say all that stuff like you're so lucky, you're so lucky, which like made me binge more for some reason. I don't really know the psychology behind that. Um, and I just remember feeling again, probably pretty subconsciously more so that my biggest value was my thinness and that if that went away, what would I have? What would people notice me for? I also was really self-conscious of the fact that even after puberty, I didn't develop like the other girls. I was completely flat chested and people made comments about it. And I felt like, okay, well, I don't have that, but I have a really flat stomach and people say that that's good. Um, so that must be like my one attractive quality, which is so sad to think about, you know, like instead of thinking about my personality, my interests. Um, and I think a lot of it also had to do with some deeper issues in terms of like attachment and some dad stuff, you know, of instead of being able to focus on exploring my interests and really focusing on who I am as a person, what I bring to the table, what my values are, much more so focusing on where can I get that validation again? Where can I find my value? Like who's going to tell me what my value is um, in terms of like looks and attention, which just, oh, it's so negative. It's so negative and just dangerous. And um, we can fast forward a few years because I don't really want to repeat everything that I've already told on here before. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I just feel – I feel like I wasted so much time and I'm not someone that really lives with much regret. I feel like that's a waste of time. But it's hard to look back and not feel sad for the younger version of myself, for all of the money that I wasted, the time that I wasted, the – the events that I ruined for myself, events that I missed because I was either so focused on losing weight when I gained it, so focused on keeping the weight off, so focused on being the fittest, on getting the compliments, on getting those comments on my body when I could have been focusing on so many more important things. Um, you know, in college, I gained some weight because I was drinking a bunch and eating like crap and just living a college life. And that wasn't great, but like, at least I was enjoying. But I also remember the flip side of that, of going to Planet Fitness or going to the fitness center and working out so hard and tracking those calories so hard and using my fitness pal religiously and trying anything to make up for what I was doing and being so frustrated that I couldn't shake weight off and feeling sad if I wasn't getting the attention from guys at the bar, which again is a deeper thing. Um, but I remember buying diet pills. I remember buying like these like green tea pills that Dr. Oz recommended that like Garcinia Cambogia. You probably remember if you were around in like the early 2000s, something like that. I remember being pumped when my 
um, wisdom teeth surgery was scheduled for like two weeks before my spring break because I was like, great, I won't be able to eat solid food. So I'll lose weight before spring break. Like that is a fucked up way of thinking. And, you know, I've, I've gone through phases with it. I went through phases that were really dark. I went through phases that I didn't notice it as much. I went through phases where all I could focus on was weight loss. And there were so many times I remember at my first job, um, I, again, wasted more money on this thing called Advocare. It is an MLM similar to like an Arbonne or something, beach body, if you will. Um, and they have these 10 day cleanses, 24 day challenges. And, you know, like any diet thing goes, I saw someone posting about all of these people's successes and these before and after pictures. And I was like, what else do I have to lose? I have been trying to get my dream body for years and nothing seems to work. I had bought workout plans. I bought the BBG or whatever it was called. Like so many of those and it wasn't working. So I was like, you know what? This has to be it. And I wasted money on it. And I remember stressing out about going to a work dinner because I didn't want to drink and mess up my cleanse or eat the wrong thing and mess it up. And I remember cheating on it and then binging like crazy because I was like, well, I fucked up and I'm a piece of garbage, so I might as well keep going. And I became a advisor for them because they also prey on your like financial insecurities. And I wasted even more money buying products to try to sell and buying more and more products to try to keep losing weight and doing the 10-day cleanses like every single month and which is also horrible for you. And getting into this just like downward spiral with food because of it. Um, and I remember being at work at um, Boston Magazine, which was like my second job out of college, but basically my first job out of college. Um, and I remember seeing what other people were eating for lunch or going to get takeout for lunch. And I was there eating my steamed broccoli and dry ass, plain ass boiled chicken and being so hungry like right after finishing my lunch because it was not enough food. But I remember watching everyone else being like, I'm so jealous they can eat that, but I can't. And feeling so controlled by the food. And when you're depriving yourself that much, all you can think about is food, right? We've all been there, I would imagine. Um, so it was distracting also from this job that was very demanding. Um, like I would go to bed so excited to wake up so I'd be able to eat again for breakfast. I would finish my breakfast and just be obsessing over lunch finish lunch. An hour later, I'm hungry, but I have to wait until four o'clock to be able to eat a Quest bar because that was like the only snack I was allowed to eat. And it just makes me so sad. Like I remember getting, you know, we worked a lot with the restaurants in the city and they would send food or our team would get donuts while we were like working late for an event or, you know, whatever it was. And I remember stressing about it, about wanting to fit in, but not, not wanting to ruin everything, about wanting to be healthy. I'm, and at the time, I felt like it was healthy. I felt like I it's that superiority thing of the fitness world. I felt like I was like achieving this thing when really I was just missing out and developing such a negative relationship with food to the point where if I felt like I broke a rule, I would go so ham in that direction. It was very much that all or nothing mindset. And it lasted for years and definitely fluctuated sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But when I joined the fitness world, um, 
it kind of got bad again because it ended up being this pressure of like, okay, well, people won't want to take my class. They won't trust me as a trainer. They won't want to be a personal training client if I don't look like all those other trainers with a completely chiseled body, chiseled six pack, if they don't see me working out in these classes and going absolutely ham. So there was a point in time where I was doing double classes at Everybody Fights or I would teach at Cycle Bar in the morning, sometimes teach a double in the morning and still feel like I had to go to an Everybody Fights class. Now, yes, there are some strength classes, but a lot of it is like high intensity interval training and cardio. And I just ran myself so, so ragged. And I remember people making comments of like, you're getting really thin. And me just being like, thanks. <laughs> like, because one, I didn't believe them. And two, it was that like superiority thing and just so much, so much bad stuff. And I remember needing, like desperately needing like a full-blown at least hour-long nap every single afternoon. And I would sleep so hard. You know, when you like wake up and you have like sheet marks all over your face, that was me every day. I look at pictures and my eyes just look like dead. <laughs> like there is no one there. I held on to weight in a weird way. Um, like I always felt not good. I also at that time, I think was getting obsessed with like plant-based eating. So I also wasn't eating enough because I wasn't doing it correctly, obviously. And was just really at odds with myself. And I didn't really realize it until I fully stopped when the pandemic hit and taking that break and being able to take a break and realize that not only did my body not drastically change from a break, it started to feel better. And I started to feel better both physically and emotionally. And during that time, I started to do a lot more internal work with it um, and kind of force myself out of those patterns and then like through therapy and everything, I've really been working hard on it. But that really is, I know that was just kind of like a weirdly strung together story. And I'm sorry for that. Um, but the reason why I started the body image group is because I know how much time and money I wasted on it. And I remember every single year feeling exactly the same of like, okay, well, we have to get on a diet. We have to start getting things in shape. We have to be the skinniest person on that beach because that is where our value comes from. And just, I mean, the amount of money that I wasted truly sickens me, but it's more so the amount of time and the social connections that I missed because not that I needed to continue to like drink all the time, but like I was so afraid to go out to dinner with a friend during the week because that wasn't in the meal plan and stuff like that, that like those moments are more important than anything else. And I missed a lot of it. And that makes me really, really sad because life flies right the fuck by. And it makes me sad to think about how much time and money I wasted. I think about if I ever have a daughter, I don't ever want her to go through that. And I just see so many other people doing the same exact thing, just wasting time and wasting energy and being sold these lies about what our value is and where happiness comes from just by companies that want to make money. They don't actually care about us finding our value and us finding happiness. They care about us not finding that. So we continue to buy their products and like subscribe to their programs and all of that. And, you know, the more I got into fitness and personal training and my own workout programs, 
the same themes just kept popping up over and over and over again. People would be like, wow, I have never felt better because I'm finally doing this for my body and I don't feel like I'm punishing myself and I'm finding more confidence in my body image because I am taking rests when I need to, when I'm listening to my body and I am working out in a much more positive way. And I just knew there was something there. I knew that we all could use a safe space to talk through this stuff because that's where the real healing happens is realizing you're not alone. It's not your fault. You shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel shame around it. Um, And also the opportunity to realize, like we know that media, you know, tells us certain things and that we've been sold certain things, but to really dig into it and realize how much BS is out there and really where it stems from and really explore and challenge the quote unquote science that these companies spit out about being overweight, about the obesity epidemic and all of those kinds of things gives you so much freedom to be actually healthier in body and mind than you ever have before. Um, And that's really the goal. You know, I want my clients to be able to go on vacation and soak up the moments with their family, with their partners, with their girlfriends, and be fully present without worrying about the angles and without worrying about what their body looks like, what food they're going to eat later. I want them to be able to enjoy food because food is more than fuel. Yes, we should look at it like that, but not always. Food is a memory maker. It's a connector. It's a huge part of experiencing a new place, connecting with people. Um, And, you know, we've all been our worst critics. We are all our own worst critics. But beating ourselves up and being mean to ourselves hasn't worked yet, right? Has it worked for you yet? Probably not. Doesn't feel good. So what if we just tried to change that narrative? Like what would open up in our lives? How would you approach the world? How would you show up in the world? Like would you be able to be more at peace? Would you be able to cultivate more confidence? Would you attract more people and more opportunities? Like think about all of the energy and time you've wasted worrying about that kind of stuff. Um food, exercise, your body, I mean, uh, like your looks. Imagine what opportunities could open up if you could pour that energy into something else, right? Like how much magic could you create in your life if you were just done worrying about that? And it's not a black and white thing and it's not a light switch. It is a journey and I just want to be a stop on that journey, a bit of a guide on that journey And the best part about it is that we all help each other. Um, And the more you open up, the more you realize it's so much more of a universal experience. And it's so helpful to just like (sighs) breathe and realize like I'm not alone in this. This wasn't my fault. And because of that, I have the power to change the narrative and change my timeline and change my life, which will then change my future children's life. And even if I don't have children, it can impact my friends and the ways that they interact with their bodies, the way that they interact with food and exercise. Like it's a ripple effect. And if I can be just like one little pebble in that, that's exactly what I want. So If you're at all intrigued by any of that, please let me know. If you just want to share your story, I would be so honored to hear it. Um, Again, I'm leaving an inquiry form down in the show notes. So please give that a little visit. Fill that out if you want to inquire about working together. 
whether in, you know, this group body image program or one-on-one for some personal training or hit up a class or you just want to chat, let's freaking do it, okay? So that's all for me. If you have any follow-up questions, like I'm so down to answer them, just throw me a little message on Instagram. If you haven't already followed Build with Brayback podcast on Instagram or Build with Brayback on TikTok, go give it a follow. Um, and also please rate and review the podcast because it just means the world and it helps it be seen and helps us grow this community. Okay. Have a great, beautiful, fabulous, empowering week. I love you all so much. Peace and motherfucking blessings. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Build with Brayback podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Build with Brayback and our website, www.buildwithbrayback.com. Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.